to have some people. I'm not going to lie, I totally forgot that you were going to be here, and I'm just thrilled that I have a live audience finally. I know Brother Nathan also appreciates it. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I want to sing a few songs, and we want to get into the Word tonight, so let's check our spirits and just ask the Lord to come and, and help us. Amen. Why don't we stand together? Let's just sing, feeling so much better, talking about that good old way. It's number uh, three. Amen. Feeling so much better talking about When God is in it 
Everybody's gathering. The carcass is here. The eagles shall gather. And Brother Murphy is away. And he called me two days into his trip. He says, I'm missing home already. I said, yeah, well, we miss you too. So we have to keep on remembering Brother Ernie. I mean, Brother um, Murphy. And uh, he'll be ministering this weekend. So he'll be speaking Sunday evening at the camp. And then coming home. And hopefully the quarantine will be shortened up by then, Sister Tracy. Don't work them too hard at home, okay? All right. Well, we have a few prayer requests tonight. Sister Sherry Kukon is requesting prayer for a co-worker, uh, Jim, who is hospitalized with COVID. So we'll remember him. Um, also the Drake family, uh, Brother John Drake, uh, is needing prayer. He's in the Kelowna Hospital suffering with infection that developed with his recent cancer treatment, back trouble, and makes it difficult to walk and is afflicted with COVID. Big and great needs. There's also a prayer we've been praying for Bob Kilios. I think uh, the prayer request came in last week. Um, he's a gentleman that worked with Hydro, BC Hydro, known by a lot of our brethren. And Brother Sam, he knows some very well and had a had an accident at work and then they are looking at amputating his hands tomorrow if he doesn't get circulation into those hands so God can do it in a moment God can just do it in a moment of course we have brother Milko to remember brother Henry Waldner who we love and also we need to remember we have a testimony. Sister Janelle Lamb's surgery went well with no complications. She said, thank you for your prayer. So praise the Lord. We're thankful for that. And another announcement um, I have to make or will make and sad to make it, happy to make is our dear brother Ernie Villanueva has gone on to be with the Lord. I just got confirmation today from his family late, just before coming to church. Of course, the media um, on Facebook and different things, people post a lot of things they don't know and assume and I can't speak unless I hear from the family. And I will be talking to them tomorrow. They are very upset, very surprised as we are. 
that uh, this has happened. Yeah, he passed away with cancer, and um, we're going to miss him. Going to miss him. Nobody had a spring in a step like Ernie. Nobody could put words together like Brother Ernie. And I have had calls from the north, from the east, from the southwest, all over asking about his welfare. And I said, well, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He's 20 years old and skipping the, on the hills of glory right now with people that he's loved that's gone on before. It's our loss. It's heaven's gain. And we're thankful for a life well lived. And he has been spent and was continually spent for the gospel. And he's been a great impact upon all of our lives here and around the world. So let's bow our heads remembering these requests and especially Brother Ernie's family at this time. How often, Lord, have we prayed? How often? Have we quoted what Peter said? People leave you. And he said, well, you know, leave also. And he said, where else could we go? Who else could we turn to tonight, Lord, in these great hours of pressure and stress upon the lives of your children? We hold them boldly before the throne of God. Each one, Lord, we take personally. Even this Bob Kilios. Lord, a loss of two hands would be just a shock. Lord, you can you can put those nerve endings together. You can put the blood vessels together. You're the creator of life. You can touch that man in a hospital room. You can do the supernatural. A lot of brothers, Lord, have given witness and testimony of this lovely Lord Jesus. And I just pray, God, you would do something very supernatural for Bob. We pray for Brother John Drake. We pray for this knee that our sister Sherry has asked that we pray for. And Brother Henry and Brother Milko that we continue to pray. Lord, how often have we prayed for our loved ones? And we can say you're a God that answers prayer. Time and time again, it's in your time, not our time. So we cry out, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And as we have spoken of the passing of our precious brother Ernie, you do indeed do all things well. You've called him home. He has received a reward. He's got a new body rejoicing. And so now his family is feeling this loss. This church is feeling a loss. But I pray, God, that you'll pour in grace upon grace within every life that is not only here, but listening to this announcement today. Precious pastors have called from around America. And Lord, how they've been influenced by a precious life called Brother Ernie Villanueva. We call him a brother, a friend. Indeed, we pray, God, that you will speak deeply to a sister who is affected so much tonight. We commit her to you. And if you need, Lord Jesus, to cause this event to move her into a channel of salvation, do it quickly, we pray. All that he's prayed for, may he see that reward awaiting him on that day. Lord, bless Brother Tim, faithful to his calling 
standing at his post of duty tonight, ministering the word of God. We pray that you will anoint him and use him mightily. We pray that the word will speak to every heart and every life. For we have come to the house of God to hear from the word of the Lord. Bless him, Lord, and continue to use Brother Matthew in worship, we pray in Jesus' name. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You can have your seats. I'm amazed. And you love me. sing Onward Christian Soldiers 718 Onward Christian Soldiers
sing glory to his name down at the cross where my Savior died. I'm going to ask Sister Marilyn to come afterwards. She's got a song for us tonight. Oh, down at the cross where my
Testing. Okay. God will walk with me down streets where no one else will walk. God will talk with me about things in which no one else will talk. When no one else will walk and no one else will talk, when no one will, God will. God will bear with me the little worries no one knows are there. God will care for me Let's sing number 972, whatever it takes to draw closer to you. There's a voice calling me from an old rugged tree. Amen. Do you want whatever it takes to draw closer to him? Amen. Whether it's going to be hardship or whether it's going to be easy, we just want whatever the Lord needs to get us around. Amen. Sometimes we've got to be knocked on the head a few times, but that's okay. That's the way it is. Amen. Calling me from an old rugged tree, and it whispers, draw closer to me. Leave this world far behind. There are new heights to climb. 
have a need this evening why don't you just hold that before the Lord if you have something you want the Lord to speak to you you just hold that before the Lord hold your heart before him he is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and he's able to take control and and help you in whatever situation you find yourself in Heavenly Father Lord how we love you how we thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. Lord, we heard something that was just a little shocking to the system tonight. Pondering it, Lord. A dear brother, Lord. A soldier in the faith. You have taken him across the curtain of time. It was his time, Lord, and Many of us, I don't know if anybody knew what he was going through. It was a surprise. But Lord, on the other side, there's a rejoicing tonight. In that place, they're saying, look, Brother Ernie is here. Lord, how he's crossed into his reward. How, Lord, he's rejoicing. How he is happy. 
And Lord, we want to say tonight, in honor of a life that was lived for the gospel of the kingdom of God, Lord, we thank you for Brother Ernie. We thank you that we had time with him upon the earth. We thank you, Father, for his positiveness. Oh, Lord, how positive he was. How energetic he was. How he loved what you have done in these last days, oh, Lord. And how it encouraged us every time we spent time with him. Every breakfast we went with him, Lord. Every time we had fellowship with him, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. And now we commit all of his life eff- life's efforts into your hands, Father. May you anoint the labors of his life and all that you did through him. Lord, may you glorify your name in the words and in the thoughts of your people and everybody that has been impacted by such a life. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, we are here gathered around your word tonight. Father, your word is life. Lord, it is spirit. It is power. Lord, it is preached in demonstration. We are not interested in the intellectual level of it, O God. We're not interested in just the understanding, though we pray for understanding. We're interested, Lord, tonight in the manifestation of it within our lives. So draw us near to you. See the hearts of your children. And Lord, may you anoint your word to every need for your glory. We commit this service to you now unreservedly praying that you will just direct it the way that it should go in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to see everybody that could make it in under the restraints of the limitations of the numbers and just believing that it won't be but a few days till these pews will be full again. And we're trusting the Lord to fulfill that. And so God bless you, each and every one that is here tonight. And each and every one of you that are streaming on the uh, screen tonight. God bless you. It's good to see you. And good to see your names on the screen. Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll be turning. Spoke last week on His perfection. And uh, I wasn't necessarily um, expecting to speak tonight. But God knew who would be here tonight. And that's what we have confidence in. So Philippians chapter 2. I want to speak tonight on hidden perfection. Hidden perfection. Chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also God hath highly, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Amen. This message is certainly, if I could express it this way, an explosion of revelation that has come to the church in the last days. And it is that way because God has said in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared to his servants the prophets. So this is the light that we have found ourselves walking in the midst of. We have, we have not, as I said last week, we did not choose ourselves. He chose us. And we do not count our perfection in ourself. Our perfection is in Him. And because He is perfect, His choosing is perfect. Can you say amen to that? And the fact that He chose you and you didn't choose yourself. He found you. You didn't find Him. He sought you. You didn't seek Him. And because of all of that, we, we attribute to Him uh, uh, so much that He has uh, done in our lives in these last days. And, and, and yet in the midst of this light that we're walking in. And really you can't pick up the mess, a message that Brother Branham preached and not help but be benefited by it. You can't uh, uh, lay your eyes upon the Word, listen to a tape, whatever it might be. And get, when you've got, especially when you've got the Holy Spirit, but but when you've got a seed gene of God in you, there's something in there that responds to the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? And, and yet, as much as, and as great as this is, I'll say how much greater is that which is coming? When our, our eyesight, naturally and spiritually, our understanding, our, our, uh, our, our ability to connect with the spiritual is very limited in the realm that we live in because we're still living in these mortal bodies. We're looking for a change of these bodies. We're looking for something to take place. But we're we're rejoicing because we're in the hour of the change. And because we're in the hour of the change, God has given us the word of a body change. God has given us a message of a body change. Because a body change is a part of a rapture. That the Lord shall descend from him with a shout and the trump of God and the, and the, the voice of God shall sound the trump of the Lord shall sound and we shall be caught up with the resurrected saints to be in the air. And as we're caught up together with them in the air, there must of necessity be a body change as Paul said. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And so there's a, there's a message that has come to bring us not to the understanding of that, but to bring us into the reality of that. To bring the power of the faith within our lives that will give these bodies quickening power to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. So we're rejoicing tonight. I'm rejoicing tonight. I'm happy tonight that there's a promise that I'm not stuck with this body. I'm glad that even if as Brother Ernie went on before us, and he's in another body, a different tabernacle that was promised to him. He's there, but he'll come back and pick up his earthly body. 
But it won't be a 70-year-old body of Brother Ernie. That body will be a different body. It'll be a 20-year-old body. It'll be a body full of life. It'll be a body that doesn't get tired. It'll be a body that'll be changed. Praise the Lord. And you know what? We'll have a body to match that body. This body will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible says in Romans 8, Paul speaking, he says, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with us, with our spirit, that we are the children of God. We're different from the world. Is there something witnessing to you tonight? Are you different than the world? Amen. I'm different from the world. I can't help it. I can't think like the world. I can't act like the world. I'm not interested in politics. I'm not interested in getting involved in the world's problems. The world's problems are not my problems. I got my own problems. We all got problems. But the bride of Jesus Christ has the answers to her problems. The world's problems are increasing. But our problems are coming to an end. Hallelujah. One day we'll have no more problems. Glory to God. One day will be the last battle. One day will be the last victory. And so it says, and if we are his children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then Paul says that I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. There's a glorious day coming. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now he's talking about creation and he goes on to talk about creation and the groaning and all of that. And there's something yearning for a specific time. And in verse 23 he says, Not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Amen. We're waiting for the fullness of it all. We've come to the time of the manifestation, or the Bible uses apocalypsis, the revelation of the sons of God. We've come to that where God is revealing His thoughts. He's pouring out His revelation into the bride of Jesus Christ to bring her to an understanding of who she is. All right. Now these are things that we've heard before, but I just want to lay it in as a foundation for the thought this evening in that we must come to the understanding of who we are. All right. And God is determined that we will get there. Aren't you glad for that? He's not relying on us to figure it out. I'm glad He's not relying on me to figure it out. He's certainly not relying on me to explain it to you. Because we we just can't do that. It comes by revelation. Brother Branham says in Corinthians book of correction, he says, Brother, what God does is perfect. We ain't got no business with our minds putting anything to it. Just leave it the way it is. God did it. God said it. That settles it. Just take it. He says, if I could explain it, then I'd be equal with God. I can't explain it. I just believe it. That's all I'm asked to do. There's nobody asked to explain it because it's beyond our intellectuals. All right? So he's saying now, in the intellectual realm, there's none of us can explain it. In the human realm, there's none of us can explain it. But God has chosen us to reveal it to us. 
All right, so I want you to hold on that for a moment. He says, it's beyond our intelligence. It's God who does it. So it cannot be explained. I just accept it by faith. Of course, faith is a revelation. And say it's my private property and I believe it. I cannot explain it. All right. Now, a lot of times uh, we can take that to an extreme and say, well, I don't have to understand anything. I just, I just believe everything. Well, that's not what Brother Branham's saying. I'll pick it up here now for you in the fifth seal. He's, now, we know Brother Branham preaches the message God in simplicity and God hiding himself in simplicity. But he says some things about the simplicity of God in the fifth seal that are very, very good, uh, wonderful statements. He says, God is great and he can make himself in such a simple form that the wise of the world can't find him. Okay. Now, God doesn't hide himself in complexity. He hides himself in simplicity. The wise of the world are trying to figure out or they try in their human understanding to understand the complexity of creation. To understand the complexity of the universe. To understand the complexity of different systems. And that whether it be medical or science or whatever more it might be. And they delve into things that really they have no business delving into. But they do it. But he says God doesn't hide himself there. God hides himself in a simple form that's so simple they can't find God there. He said they just can't find him because he makes himself too simple. This is, and this is in, this in itself is the mystery of the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's, there can be nothing greater than God, and you can't make anything as simple as He makes Himself. Now there's our God, and there's His perfection. There's nothing greater than Him, but no one can make themselves or make anything as simple as God can make himself. All right. He says, as long as you're trying to find God by wisdom, now just bear with me on this, I just want to lay this in here. As long as you're trying to find God by wisdom, like it was in the Garden of Eden, like it was in the days of Moses, like it was in the days of Noah, like it's been in the days of Christ, in the days of John, in the days of the apostles, and to this day. When you try to figure it out and try to find God by wisdom, you're going farther from Him all the time. All right? He says you're trying to understand it. There's no way of doing it. Just accept it. Just believe it. He says, don't try to understand it. All right. Now, I want to I just bring the context to this because he says something else here just a couple of pages later that I'll read in a moment. But he's saying, when God does something, don't try and figure it out. But what you do need to figure out, if I could use those words, is that it is God. And when you see it's God in something... You might not be able to explain it, but you can just say, that's him. Because he reveals himself after he hides himself in simplicity. So a couple pages later, as much as he says, now don't try and understand it. Then a couple pages later, he, he just says in the same message, he says, 
Now we know it's written because some reasons for something. He says, now you remember in the beginning I said there's nothing, there can't be nothing without a reason. And then he says, remember the little drop of ink. He says, now you have got to find the reason. Now there's the paradox. On one hand, don't, under, don't try and understand it. But on the other hand, he says, you need to find the reason. There's a reason you were born. There's a reason this message came by your way. There's a reason God put you in the body. There's a purpose that God has in your life. There's a reason that you married the person that you married. There's a reason that you came into the home that you came into as a young person. God gave you the parents that he gave you. We could go back in, in uh, as Brother Branham does and say, God watched over your parents and God watched over your grandparents and God watched over your great-grandparents because he wanted to bring a certain sound. He says, like the making of a bell takes certain types of metals to make a certain ting. He says, there's something that God wanted to put even in your physical makeup and God watched over your lineage down through the ages so that you would come just the way you are. There's a reason for it. You can't go back and say, oh, you know, I'm just a mistake. No, you're not a mistake. There's a reason for it. You say, well, this happened in my life and that happened. There's a reason for it. You know, you look back at Brother Branham's life and, and see some of the things. And I don't try. I, I, I think sometimes we get to a little bit too... Um, uh, presumptive, maybe, if I could use that word, in trying to say, well, this happened to Brother Branham because of this, or that happened because of that. You know, so many times Brother Branham says that, but I've often marveled how that God would make a messenger for the age that would not get caught up in the, uh, I'll say, the worship of women that this age is. How that God made his makeup, and he had to go through certain things People say, people call him a woman hater. He wasn't a woman hater. But yet in the midst of it all, he went through certain experiences that he saw the potential lows as well as the potential highs of what a woman can be. Can you take that this morning or this evening? And so there, there was a reality to him that God put him. So what I'm saying is there was a reason God put him through the, these experiences. There's a reason God puts you through the experiences he has for you because he's molding and shaping something in your life that is unique and separate from everyone else. But now let me go back uh, all the way back to your beginning and let me say it this way. But when you were born, God deposited within your life what we call a seed gene. It was a predestination, a representation in the presence of God, a thought of what He had of you before the foundation of the world that you didn't know was there, that even as a little baby, it was there. That's why He gave His angels charge over it, to watch over it. A child might be born in an unbelieving family. A child might be born in a religious family. Might be born in a message family. Might be born in any kind of a family. Might be born in a foreign land, under a foreign language. That this message is not yet even in yet. 
But there could be a predestinated seed laying there. And that predestinated seed is nothing but perfect. All right? The child's not perfect. It's born in sin. It's shaped in iniquity. Coming to the world speaking lies. It grows up. It does things that are wrong. It's, it's clothed, I'll say it this way, in imperfection. It's, it's an expression, it seems like a child has its own, can I use the word foibles? It has its own difficulties. Every child's different. Are you with me this evening? Everyone goes through different things. Each one of you were different as a child. Maybe one had an aptitude towards sports or another one has an aptitude towards uh, social gatherings or another one has an aptitude towards music or another one has an aptitude towards learning and education. Maybe another one has an aptitude towards mechanics or another one towards working with wood or we could go on and on down the list uh, of different things that a child has an aptitude to and every one of them is different. But in the midst of that outward expression there's a perfection laying in each individual and it's the perfection that God wants to quicken I want you to I'm saying that a certain way this evening God wants to quicken the perfection because God wants to express his perfection within our lives praise be to God so it's it's there and and it's put in the child and I'll say it this way it's not by natural birth God had, does not have grandchildren. Okay, so it's not because someone's my child or Brother Tom's child or somebody else's child. We believe for our children. But it's not because they're our children that they are predestinated. It's because they were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. The predestination comes from there. And so we, we each one of us all together then as we realize in human life it's all the same For all of us, each one of us has our good points, and some of us have our not-so-good points. All right? You can go with me there, just for those of you that feel like you don't have any not-so-good points. I left a little bit of room for you. But most of us have our good points, and we have our not-so-good points. That's that's just the way human life is. And, And as human beings, we look at each other. And how we look at each other often depends on on our standing towards one another. If somebody is dear to us, well then we often look at their good points. And we emphasize their good points, but they also have bad points. And somebody does something to us, maybe hurts us or, or, or does something or says something against us or does something that we don't appreciate, then maybe we're, we might in our mind look upon their bad points, but they also have their good points. You with me on that? All right. So the perspective of it is, is what we look at and, uh, it depends on where we are and we have to be careful with that because as believers we don't want to become respecter of persons based on how somebody treats us. Jesus says, if you love those that love you, you're no different than the world. They do that, but love those that despitefully use you, love those that hate you, love those that, that do evil to you, then that shall you have a reward of your Father in heaven. Now we realize that in the beginning there in, in Israel, we see that how that Israel, uh, as they're coming out of Egypt, that God had his hand upon Israel and he was bringing them into the promised land and he, he was bringing them right up to the possession of the land and, and as they're drawing near, they come through the land of Moab. 
And Balak, the king of Moab, wanted to bring a curse upon those people. He had respect towards spiritual forces. We know that Balak or Moab was the son or offspring of Lot and, and how that now he, he wanted, they had an understanding in their way of God. Lot certainly was with Abraham there in the beginning, but Balak went and sought Balaam to come and to curse Israel. Is that right? And so he had a way of doing it now. And he took Balaam and he brought him up to the high places of Baal. And so that he could show him the hinder parts of the people. There was hinder parts of Israel. Amen. But that's not what God was looking at. That is not what God was looking at. God was in the midst of those people. God was dwelling amongst those people. And God saw the greatness that was in those people. And, and, and God hiding himself in that people was hiding himself behind the badger skins, surrounded by the tribes that were put in their order by the word of God, in the order of the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle, under the banners of their tribes, and uh, three tribes on each side, and the central one having the right banner of lion, ox, man, or eagle, because it was a protection to the, to the presence or the access of the presence of God, or it was a protection of the purpose of God. And in that order that was there, and in that, those banners, and in that tabernacle, and in that badger skin, and in the holy place, and the holy of holies, there in the midst of it all, God lived there. Alright, now Balak showed Balaam all of the hinder parts or all of the imperfections or all of the things that, that, that maybe the natural eye would say, oh, there's all kinds of problems there. But God was in the middle of it, and I'll just say it this way, in the midst of all that imperfection, there was perfection right in the middle of it. But to Balak, the perfection was hard to see. It was hidden by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And Balaam, you know, he couldn't see what God saw on his own. He couldn't see. There was things about Israel that was hidden. But Balaam could see them by revelation. Balaam could see it by getting in the Spirit. You see, it's only by the Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit that we know we are the children of God. If we just look at ourselves by our own spirit, if we just look at our own selves by our own understanding, we'd look at ourselves and say, well, I don't see nothing in me that God would choose. I don't see nothing there that's, that's very spiritual. I know my own mistakes. I know my own feelings. I know my own secret thoughts. I know my own temptations. I know my own weakness of the flesh. I know all these things. I know all the things I've done wrong in my life. And the devil likes to remind me of them every chance that he gets. And if we just go by our spirit, then we have nothing. But it's the spirit of God that bears witness within us. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. I have chosen you. And my choosing is perfect. And I am working on you not to perfect your flesh. Though I will bring your flesh subject to the spirit that's in you. But I am working to bring out the perfection that I have deposited within you. Hallelujah. 
And that's the confession we need to have. It's not me. It's not my understanding. It's not how much I know. But all I know is there's something on the inside of the inside that God quickened. He chose me and he's working it out in me to express the glory that he's promised that shall be revealed in me. Hallelujah. When I get on the other side, there's going to be some glory. What is, is Brother David, I know Marilyn's here tonight, she's there, but David's not here. But, you know, what is he saying? That's, I'm going to let the glories roll when the roll is called in glory. Amen. I'm going to get beside myself when I get beside the king. Amen. I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. That's a reality to the believer. It's not just a song. It's not just an encouragement. There's something in me that he chose. Hallelujah. There's something in me. I can't go through this world and say, see how perfect I am? That's not, I can't do that. But I can go through this world and say, God's working out the perfection in my life. Hallelujah. And Balaam, as he, when he got in the spirit, then oh my, what he saw. What he saw when he got in the spirit. How it behooves us, we need to get in the spirit. Amen. You feeling discouraged? You need to get in the spirit. You feeling down on yourself? You got to get in the spirit. You feeling like, you know, you, you, you've just not had a very good week? You need to get in the Spirit. I was thinking that tonight. Lord, baptize us afresh with the Holy Spirit tonight. Give us a fresh baptism tonight. Lord, pour out from heaven into our lives and wash us in the water of the Word and cleanse us from all the nonsense of the age that we're living in. we got to rub shoulders with uncleanness. we got to walk down the street. If we ever have to look into the Internet to find something, there's uncleanness in every direction. And yet in the midst of it all, Lord, just wash us and cleanse us and make us more like You. Amen. Just let the perfection stay and all the imperfections be washed away. And there stood Balaam up on the mountain looking out over Israel. Balak didn't like it very much, but he was describing what the Lord was showing him. Balak was showing him all the bad parts. Anybody want to come up here? It wouldn't take me long to be with any one of you for very long and, and know your bad parts, or at least some of them. Anybody want to come up here and volunteer? I can share your, you better be careful. You, I can share your bad, my daughter was back there says, I'll do it. I'm like, are you crazy? I know yours more than anybody. Almost as much as my own. But Balak was wanting him to see all the bad parts, but Balaam lifted up in the presence of God, couldn't see anything bad. Are you looking at something bad about your brother? Are you looking at something bad about your sister? You need to get lifted up into the presence of God. Oh, Lord, lift us up there. And he begins to say about Israel, Oh, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob. I can just see the shocked expression on Balak's face. What is he talking about? How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys that are spread forth, as gardens... By the river's side, as the trees of lime aloes, which the Lord has planted, as cedar trees beside the waters. That's like cedar trees in British Columbia. 
There's a lot of water here and the cedar trees grow pretty big. And that's what it's describing. And he says, he shall pour the water out of his buckets and his, and his seed shall be in many waters and his king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. I imagine right about now, uh, Balak's having a heart attack. <laughs> what is going on? I don't see any of that, but that's what God was seeing. He was see, he was pointing to his creation and saying, as perfect as my creation is, so are you. As, as perfect as I have designed all these other things, so have I designed you. Amen. God saw the potentials there. He says, God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he laid down as the lion and as a great lion. Who shall stir them up? Blessed is he that blesses thee and cursed is he that curses thee. Hallelujah. There was what the Spirit of God was speaking. It didn't matter that Balaam was a backslidden prophet. He was a gifted prophet. And yet being a gifted prophet, he got himself out of the perfect will of God. But God still took him and anointed him and expressed through him the very mind of God for the perfection that was hidden in that imperfection. You know, David wasn't much liked by his brothers. I imagine his brothers, like any family, David had some points that his brothers didn't appreciate. He was, especially being the youngest of the family. Have we got any youngest of the families here? Imagine there's a few there. And, uh, you know, the youngest, well, I better not go there. But, you know, David, being the youngest, his brothers looked at him. His oldest brother, I know, called him naughty. And uh, when he come down to defeat Goliath and come down to take God up, But when God looked at David, God saw a man after his own heart. I'm sure that none of his brothers walked around saying, you know what, I got a brother. He's got a heart just like God's. I'm sure none of his family was saying that. I'm sure his dad wasn't saying that. Probably his mom wasn't even saying that. Even as as much, as gracious as moms can be. And talking about their sons. But this one was a man after God's own heart in the eyes of God. That was the attribute that God had deposited within him. And God was going to take him through experiences to bring out the attribute that David was. I'm so thankful that Brother Branham said, I think I mentioned it last week, that he said, you know, God needs each one of us ministers in our peculiarities. That so blesses me because that tells me I don't have to preach like Brother Tom can preach or I don't have to, I'll never be able to be like Brother Biscoll or Brother Murphy or any of those other brothers. But you know, as peculiar as I am, God can use it. God can bless it and God can take it and anoint it and use it for somebody. You know, Moses, as he, as 
Israel looked at Moses, we know that they didn't appreciate what God had put in Moses. He was a man that was born different. He was saved uh, in the midst of many babies being killed. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh. Then he, bec- then he uh, esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt, and took his stand with Israel. And he slew one Egyptian based on his own strength. And in trying to fulfill his life's purpose, he was a miserable failure and ran out into the wilderness to escape the death penalty for his own works. And yet in the midst of all that, God still saw, he says, when the time comes for deliverance, I've got one right out here. He might think he's out on the backside of the desert, run away, ain't nobody going to trouble him. But when the people's cry come to the right level, I'm going to take him and I'm going to place him in position and anoint that which I have put within him. You know, we could talk about Samson, how that he's so messed up and fallen in the flesh that it seemed like there was no way he could fulfill the commission that he was born for. But God saw differently. You look at the story of Samson, it's a sad story. It seemed like he had ruined his life. But yet, God never changes his mind about his word. And God had chosen Samson to destroy the Philistines. We can look at Peter and how that Jesus had said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And yet in the, in the time of great pressure, Peter denied the Lord three times. He went out fishing. He, he thought, there's nothing left for me. I'll just go back to my old job and I'll just do my old thing. It looked like it was over for him. And even if there was something else to do, he wasn't going to be involved in it because he had denied the Lord three times. I look at the cases in the, within the message of the hour, different cases. A man, uh, in one place, a man that had totally uh, even wrote a tract that he had cursed God. He had, he had actually wrote a try and he ended up in a prayer line and Brother Branham exposed the whole thing. He says, but you're here because you got problems. And he actually told him, it's the only place actually in the message Brother Branham exposes this. He says, you got sexual problems. That's what your problem is. And, and, uh, he says, he says, uh, you believe God can set you free. And Brother Branham prayed for him and said, now God has set you free. Go on your way, brother. In the natural, we wouldn't say brother to such a person, but he said brother. God had, a, had something there that even though that man was so far away from God, God saw fit to bring him close. He sees the perfection that he's put inside every individual. All right. Now the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, we're just a little, ringing just a little up here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, the form of God. He found himself... In the form of God. And find himself there. He was the word that had become flesh. But even taking the word form of God. And and the apostle Paul who God uses to write this. Now he describes the deity of Jesus Christ. So very clearly we're still ringing up here. If you don't mind turning me down just a bit on the feedback. 
He describes the deity of Jesus Christ in great detail as he speaks to the Hebrews in the book of Hebrews from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 7. We don't obviously have time to go into all that. He deals with God becoming flesh in his Son. And this God, this perfect God, who dwelled behind a veil, becoming flesh, the invisible becoming visible. And if this God who told Moses no one could see his face and live, how much would it be impossible for Paul, even in the greatness of his ministry, to fully describe him? And even says in the book of Hebrews, he says, many things there could be said, but I can't say it. Seeing as A, they're hard to be uttered, and B, you're not ready for it. And so he, he, he just lays in what he can. And you know, even Brother Branham, in describing Jesus, he says, I was in a field praying, and he appeared there. He says, and, and he says, I, I, he was in, in great distress of heart, and he, he says, about him, he said, there's not an artist in the world could paint his picture, the character of his face. He says, the best I've seen is Hoffman's head of Christ at 33. That's why we so appreciate that picture. He says, I've got it on the literature and everything that I use. He says, it's pretty near. It's as close as could be. But this is what he describes about him, about Jesus now. He says, he looked like a man if he'd speak the world would come to an end. And yet, with so much love and kindness, till you, and then he breaks off, he says, I just pitched over. He passed out, blacked out. And he says, that was the end of that experience. But he says, I saw something in this tabernacle. We didn't, we didn't have the opportunity to go back 2,000 years and to walk when Jesus walked. We didn't have the opportunity to lay our head on his bosom like John laid his head on his bosom. We didn't have the opportunity to have him pray for us. Wouldn't you love the Lord Jesus to pray for you? There was many that Jesus prayed for, laid his hands on them, took the children up in his arms and blessed them and, and, and did so many wonderful things in that tabernacle of flesh. And the Bible describes to me he was... He was God tabernacled in flesh. He was in the form of God. But he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But, verse 7 says, he made himself of no reputation. This is where I want to get to. He made himself of no reputation. There was, he was God. He was the son of David. Is that right? He hadn't yet come to the office of son of David. He was in the office of son of man. But he was the son of David. He was the one that David spoke of. He was the one whose rule of, its, of whose rule there would be no end. He was the great king of kings. The Bible says here, he says, Every knee shall bow and every, shall, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And, and so this is the one that, that he was. He was God. There was nothing short of the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily in flesh, but he made himself of no reputation. Brother Biscoll has a reputation. 
been around the world. Everywhere I go, you hear positive things about Brother Bisco. Appreciation, respect, because of how God has used Brother Bisco. But the Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation. How many knew that the Messiah was walking on the earth? There was not very many that recognized him. There's just a handful of people, maybe a few hundred by the time the end of Jesus' ministry was done and many of them were turning away from him. But that was the perfection of God dwelling in that tabernacle. That was God himself that was expressing himself there. I like how one writer put it. He said, he was not unable to assert equality with God, but he was able not to assert it. And I thought that was a profound statement. It's not that he was unable. He says on the cross, I could call ten legions of angels right now. Think not that I could do it, but it's my Father's will. It's, it was God's will for him to be there. And yet in the midst of all that, he, he could have asserted who he was, but he was willing to not assert it. He was willing to express himself in such a way that the perfection remained hidden within him. He says, it's not me that does the works, but my Father that dwelleth in me. And he was willing to let the works prove who he was. He was not trying to express to the people or declare to them or in any way stand up before the people and say, I'll show you who I am. But rather, he did nothing but what the Father showed him first. He was the full expression of the Word in all of its perfection. But yet, on the outside, the Bible, and we know these statements, but the Bible says there was no beauty that we should desire him. He was just a man. But yet, that was God. And as I pawn, I don't know how you, uh, study or, or read or have your devotions with God, but when I just sit there and ponder these things, the mighty God, the creator of the universe, all power in heaven and earth was given unto him. And he was all power there in that tabernacle. But as far as people walking down the street, people walk right by him. Didn't hardly know what they just walked by. Maybe they just felt a little something go up their spine or something. I don't know. Maybe they felt nothing. And there was the mighty God veiled right before them. And they couldn't see him. He made himself of no reputation. And furthermore, he took upon him the form of a servant. He was willing to, to constrain his earthly life into a certain form that had every appearance and reality of being a servant. And the Bible says he was made in the likeness of men. And that very word doesn't just mean he looked like a man. It means that he was made like men, but he wasn't exactly the same. If you're the likeness of something, you're not the same as something. You're like something. He was like every other man, but he was born without sin. He didn't have a sinful body. He was tempted in all manner like we are, but he was perfect, without a flaw. In that he, he never, he was tempted and he never sinned. He never fall. He never could be stumbled by the enemy. And as I read last week, Brother Ram says, God cannot be defeated no matter what takes place. He will never be defeated. There was this man, God, and he was living there because now he was walking in perfect faith. 
I know this is, I'm just belaboring the point, so bear with me. He was walking in perfect faith of what the Word said he was. There was nothing that was going to trip him up. Praise the Lord. There was nothing that was going to stumble him. He knew exactly what to do in every situation. He knew exactly what the Word said he was. He knew exactly everything. But as far as the outward appearance, he was in the likeness of man, the form of a servant. He appeared like everybody else. And this is what I want to get to. He appeared to be imperfect. But he wasn't. He was perfect. Many found fault with him. They said, oh, you know, he, he eats with publicans and sinners. That's a, that's a mark against him. He healed on the Sabbath. They held that against him. He didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, all, uh, uh, he allowed his disciples to eat with unwashing hands and, and all of these traditions that they had. See, that's a flaw. They, they, in every appearance, that as far as, as the people were concerned, there was things that they could criticize about him. Listen, God has chosen that way to hide himself. In that he will make it appear to the world that there's all kinds of flaws. But when God looks at him, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. Amen. He was the perfection. Everything about him was perfection. And if everything about him was perfection and still looked imperfect, how much more the imperfection of our lives is going to look imperfect? Yet, there's a perfect seed gene of God inside every one of his children. Hallelujah. And if he reflected that perfection till the world didn't like it, how much more you? See, the most important ingredient to humility brother michael preached on it but i was thinking about this the most important ingredient you know what the most important ingredient to humility is it's to know who you are jesus knew who he was and he could humble himself because he was god god knows who he is that's why he can humble himself and make himself more simple than even human beings can understand. And the only way to be humble is to know who you are. And when you know who you are, then it doesn't matter. Because you know if God be for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter what it looks like to the world. If God's on my side, I don't care who else is on my side. Amen? If God shows me before the foundation of the world, it doesn't matter what the devil says about me. Hallelujah! Because God has already spoken for me. He already had me in His thoughts. He wrote about me in a Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. My name's already there. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says about me. God chose me. And he deposited perfection within me. And he, if I could say it this way, will perfect the perfection. Hallelujah. God will take care of it all. Jesus took the form of a servant because the form didn't matter. The form didn't matter. Your form doesn't matter. So I'm just whatever. Listen, if you know who you are, it doesn't matter what you are. If you know God's with you, it doesn't matter where God puts you. Can I be honest now? All right. 
And so if you know who you are in the economy of God, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. If you know who you are in the presence of God, it doesn't matter what people say you are. If you know who you are in the presence of God, it doesn't matter what your family came from. Brother Brown's family was the worst family in Jeffersonville. It was some of the bootleggers and, 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 dis, and they had a distillery and all the people would walk on the other side of the street. He said the reputation of the Branham family was terrible, but there was a man that God chose out of that family. And he elected him to be the messenger of the age. And then it didn't matter what anybody else had to say. He said, it used to be I, I couldn't get anybody to talk to me. He says, now I have to hide to stop people from talking to me. Why? Because God had chosen It doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter whether you abound. It doesn't matter whether you're abased. When you have a revelation of who you are in the word of God, you are perfect in the sight of God. I don't care if you talk with a lisp, if you talk without a lisp, if you don't know any vocabulary, nothing like that. It doesn't matter to God. If God be for us, who can be against us? God is bringing the perfection out of the imperfections. Hallelujah. God has chosen it this way. God has chosen his people in their condition. I'm so glad for that. Because I got nothing in my family, nothing in my past. I got nothing tonight I can brag on. I say, well, I'm the son of a prime minister, or I'm the relative of this, or my distant relative is that, or my family this, or my family that. Listen, I wouldn't even want to share with you what I know, the background from my own family. That's, that's how low down it is. And yet in the midst of all that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make no difference because God chose me. And there's something perfect laying in here. And it doesn't matter about this perfect imperfection out here. There's a perfection that's growing on the inside. Hallelujah. If God can project the perfection from, of the deity in the form of a servant... He can show forth his glory in our lives. Oh, Brother Tim, listen, that ought to do with every fear of every scar. Come on. That ought to do with every regret. That's why Paul says, laying aside the things that are in the past. It's not about the outward man. It's about the quickened perfection on the inside. And being in, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, the scripture says, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The perfect, quickened seed gene in the midst of an imperfect body creates a battle. And the battle is the greatest battle ever fought in the mind. God versus Satan. But in that tabernacle, as that, as that perfection in him wrestled it out, saying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. What was God's will? A perfect sacrifice. A perfect yielding unto death. 
And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It creates a battle, but it creates a great victory, his victory, the victory of perfection. And I'm out of time. Musicians, come. I'm not at the end, but we're out of time. All right? No, I'm serious. Musicians, come. Being equal with God was a problem that people had with Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious ones, they took up stone to stone him because he made himself equal with God. But the works identified who Jesus was. The works identified exactly the perfection that was laying in there. He says, Brother Bram says, in Christ the mystery of God revealed, he says, God fully manifested in Jesus Christ. God's great secret of his revelation. This great light of revelation has always blinded the wisdom of this world. In the days of Jesus Christ, when he was here on the earth, it had blinded them. They said, why? You even make yourself God. You make yourself equal with God. He was. Not only equal to God, he was God himself. Then he says, see, they don't get it. Now listen, it's, as much as it's, the world doesn't get it, it's hard for us to get it. There's a perfect seed gene. There's a representation of God. There's a part of God laying in you that he wants to make you the expression of his perfection. He says, in, in 1964, he says, How few recognized him to be the anointed word of that day. God in the beginning, being infinite, knowed all things from the beginning. And the only thing that these things are is a display of his attribute. Listen now. You have an attribute. It's your thought. You think of something, then you speak it, then you take it. He says, that's God. He in the beginning, if you ever was or will be in heaven, you was in heaven to start with. You're a part of God. You were his thought. He knew your name. He knew who you were before there ever was a molecule, before there ever was a light, before there ever was anything. He knew you and he knew your name and he put it on the Lamb's book of life before the world was ever formed. See, you were his thought and then you become a word and a word is the thought expressed. Then you're manifested. If you can receive it, there you are. Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the Word says He was, and we walk by perfect faith in what the Word says we are. Joseph was a perfect type. Joseph had to go through an imperfect life to express the perfection that laid within him. What was the perfection? The place that God showed him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make your brothers bow down, make your father, your mother, all of that be subject unto you. And, and, and he showed him, and, and Joseph might have thought, this is a great thing that God is expressing in me. And, and yet in the midst of it all, there didn't seem to be anything to bring it to pass. But he had to go into a pit. He had to be sold as a slave. He had to go into prison. He had to be falsely accused. He had to come out of prison and he, he had to foretell dreams and he had to be, of course, he was left in prison for a season. But then one day, that perfection that was laying on the inside become declared to the world as Joseph began to manifest to the world, just a slave. But to God, he was the savior of that age to save his family and to save the elect of God. 
We're in a rapture. We are in a rapture. It doesn't appear very good sometimes. It doesn't appear very glorious. And sometimes it seems quite unpalatable. It seems as though uh, things are not going the way that we expected them to go. Anybody ever feel that way? Sure. There's some of us that have been around a little while never expected to be here in 2021. Still on the earth. We expected to be gone by now. We expected the rapture to have taken place by now. We never thought we'd have to deal with children growing up and them having children. And then those children getting married. And all of that taking place. And we never expected these things would kind of unfold in our lives. And all of the obstacles and all of the things that would that would seemingly be imperfect. But I just want to say, in the midst of all of that, God has hid His perfection. God has a rapture that He's bringing to pass. Hallelujah. The perfect overcomes the imperfect every time. Because God cannot be defeated. And this was the scripture I had as my close. I wanted you to just play Beulah Land if you would. I thought of that in honor of Brother Ernie tonight. And I was, I was just putting these notes together, my final thinking of this subject of God's perfection, His perfection, hidden in the midst of are seemingly imperfection. Be careful what you call imperfection. It might be the perfection expressing itself. But in the midst of all that, Paul talks about the change in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I put this in my notes today before I heard that Brother Ernie had crossed over. He says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What happens when we're changed? All the imperfections drop away. Amen, Sister Rena. No more missing parts. No more body that isn't quite responding the way that it should and it doesn't matter whether they're missing or whether it's dead as we get older you know there's certain certain functions of our life that you know they just we just get old and you want to run a race or you want to do something that's just not there anymore but one day all this imperfection will just drop will just fall by the side i don't know what form brother tim can you explain it i can't explain it i just believe it One day there's going to be a change in this mortal body. And I'm going to be young again. Doesn't matter if I have a... uh, I don't care. I'll say it this way. Doesn't matter if you have a tumor. That tumor will be no more. Doesn't matter if you have some kind of cancer going through your body. It'll be no more. You have some kind of disease that's kind of latched on. The science says you can't be cured of this disease. It'll be gone. In a moment, you might have to fight it right up to the end. And by your faith, you'll come right up to the end of that battle. And in a moment, you'll be changed. Hallelujah. This body will take on perfection. 
the perfection of the soul will come in manifestation in the flesh realm. And we'll rise up as brothers and sisters and we'll look at one another and say, my, what a glorious brother. What a glorious sister. We have trouble seeing that in each other now. But on that day, hallelujah, on that day, oh my, you young people will look at your parents and go, my, I didn't know my dad was that good looking. Amen. I didn't know my mom was that good looking. Glory to God. We'll be changed. We'll be changed, Paul says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Brother Ernie is experiencing the first fruits of that on the other side. Oh, he stepped across into glory. We're envious of him. We're envious of him over there. My, he had a spring to his step over here, but he was getting older. You know, he had that battle that he had with, what is that called, that he had in his feet? Uh, I can't remember what it was. But it's a, it's a nerve thing uh, that makes your feet feel cold when they're not cold. Or hot when they're not hot. It works both ways. And he battled with it in his feet. And he battled against it. And he battled against it. And it it went away and it came back. And it went away and it came back. But I'll tell you right now, he's not feeling anything on the other side. Hallelujah. He's got a new tabernacle over there. And he's rejoicing. (laughs) Maybe he's looking at his feet. Glory. You know, these feel good. Amen. This is wonderful. What a glorious experience. I'm going to dance on the other side. I'm going to rejoice with the saints on the other side. I'm going to have a wonderful time and you're going to have a wonderful time. I'm sure he's on that other side greeting some of the saints who have gone on. Glorious time. Paul says this corruptible must put on incorruption. Why? Because there's a perfection hidden inside of it. He says this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. I'll say it this way. Imperfection is swallowed up in perfection. In the perfection. Hallelujah. And then Paul says, maybe maybe Ernie's shouting it on the other side. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Hallelujah. I feared this. I had nothing to fear. I worried about this. Nothing to worry about. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Oh, Beulah Land.
has already healed us we just need to, the faith to appropriate what's already been paid for he saved us 2,000 years ago he paid for our healing 2,000 years ago and I'll also say this he paid for our body change 2,000 years ago and we're just waiting for our faith to reach that level to see it materialize in our lives I'm sure that we would all say Lord take me there whatever it takes don't let me miss that as we pray together I want to say that 
When I hear of a soldier like Brother Ernie Villanueva going over, and excuse me for repeating this. I knew a little bit of Brother Ernie's life and his struggles. When I say struggles, I don't mean spiritual struggles. I just mean life is a struggle. We all have struggles. And I know that he's come to a place where I, as a brother, am actually envious of him. That's a great place to be in. A life's journey, a life that has gone on before us, footprints, footprints that have been laid down in the sands of time. A man that loved the Lord with all of his heart, quickened by the light of his hour, witness to many. I say, God bless his memory. One day we'll meet him again. It's gone on before us. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. But as long as we're on this earth, still struggling with the perfect imperfection, hiding the perfection, then may we just commit ourselves to God and say, Lord, all we want to see is Jesus. All we want to express to the world is just perfection. We realize that Many times we fall short. Lord, forgive us our shortcomings. But Lord, may you express yourself in all that you want to express yourself in our lives. Heavenly Father, Lord, just a simple, simple thought tonight. Ever so simple. But yet in the midst of it all, Lord, it resonates within our hearts, O God. This is what we have believed. If God be for us, nothing else matters. As Paul wrote, I'm persuaded that neither height nor depth, principality or power, tribulation, persecution, things present, things to come, whatever it might be, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It's not because we hold on, but it's because you hold on to us. You held on to us before the foundation of the world. And you're bringing into manifestation the reality which you deposited within us even at our birth. Lord, we surrender to that. May the word be quickened within our lives. May the seed be watered to bring forth the manifestation. May we lay in the presence of the, of the mighty presence of God to ripen the crop and bring it to the maturity that it's meant to be in, Lord. We give ourselves afresh to you. And Father, one more time, we give honor to our brother Ernie, a soldier that labored with us. May you be with the family, Lord. I know that they are affected, and many of the brethren are affected, Lord. But Lord, may you, through all of it, glorify the name of Jesus Christ. We commit all to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amazing grace shall always be. He looked beyond my fault. Key of C, I think. Amazing grace shall always be my song For it was great, but my liberty. 
beyond our faults. Hallelujah. He looked beyond our imperfections and saw that predestinated seed. Hallelujah. Glory to the Most High God. Worthy you are, Father. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, O God. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Don't you love him tonight? Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? Have you ever been healed? He healed you. Have you been saved? He saved you. Have you had chains broken? He broke those chains. He's the breaker. He's the mighty deliverer. Have you ever been spared in the midst of a circumstance? He did that. Hallelujah. We pray for one another. We pray all the time. We hold one another up. But He's the one. There's only one healer. That's Him. There's only one Savior. That's Him. There's only one mighty one amongst us. That's Him. He's the great I am. All glory to His name. I shall forever lift my eyes to death. Yes, Lord. To you. Whatever. Every hope place Service is dismissed. You could 
Just keep worshiping Him if you want to. Keep singing if you want to. We dismiss the service in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.